Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem to save the entire world, and he stops for one single soul that's searching. The first application you have to see, obviously, in this text is that no one is too far gone. Okay? No one is outside of what Jesus can do. No one is outside of his reach, not one person. And if you're like me, you're an evangelist and you want to see people saved, but from time to time, you look at people judging them on the outside, not the inside. Does that ever happen to you? You ever see somebody in their cantankerousness or their cynicism or their, their whatever, their smallness or their anger or their brokenness or their depravity or their addiction? You're like, oh man, there's no hope for you. Have, have, have you ever summed somebody up on accident? Ah. Stories like this force you and me who want to see other people saved to bow the knee at Jesus and say, Lord, could you save that person? What about this person? What about those people? And it'll soften your heart towards humanity. Yesterday I was at the soccer fields, and I was at the fourth soccer game of the day, so I think I was kind of losing my mind a little bit, like kind of going cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, and, and, and I was listening to some conversations that were going on, and I couldn't, I was trying, are these guys saying this out loud so I could hear it? And there's conversations about the Bible and about what it says and, and kind of mocking the Bible. And I was like, I, 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 do they know who I am? Is this for me? Should I engage or should I just, you know, keep drinking my latte and act dumb, you know? And, but I began to then have to soften my heart and pray for these individuals that maybe don't know the Lord, that maybe haven't seen the Lord. Can you imagine this blind guy? Can you imagine getting mad at a blind guy for being blind? You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, dude, check out the rainbows. Like, I'm blind. Man, you suck, you know? You're not going to do that. You're going to be like, oh, you're blind? Oh. Oh, wow. Okay. 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 And you would have empathy and sympathy, and you would try and explain that rainbow. You'd be like, oh, man. Dude, do you have any concept like red or, or yellow? Do you have any concept? Oh, and you would, you would want them to see what you see. Wouldn't that be radical during the Thanksgiving season coming up when you're reunited with family members that don't love Jesus if you saw them as blind people? Instead of being mad at them or irritated by them, you had empathy for them. And you wanted them saved. And instead of being irritated at your coworkers this week or being above other people that aren't believers, you're like, whoa, I too, I too once was blind. And now I see it. Instead of being above you and mad at you, I can be under you and esteem you as better than myself. And like Jesus here, stop the presses and give my full undivided attention to a person on the outside looking in. Here's, the, here's what I just said. Nobody is too far gone. Okay, this is great news. As a matter of fact, this should drive you and me to be those who slow down in the grocery stores, who slow down at the intersections and look at the people on the side of the road that possibly might be begging or too far gone and say, Jesus can do miracles. There are so many, even just looking around here, there are people who have had their lives completely upside down and because of Jesus Christ are now right side up and they're sitting right next to you. Jesus changes everything. We see that in this story. Look at verse 35, it says, Then it happened as he, that's Jesus, was coming near Jericho, that a certain blind man sat by the road begging. Jesus, again, is on his way to Jerusalem to die for the sins of the world, and he's going by Jericho. Now, if you were here last week, you remember we studied the fact that all the Old Testament points to Jesus. Okay, all the types, all the pictures, all the prophecies, all the verses, they're all shadows of the substance, with, which is Christ. It's crazy. And so now here, Jesus comes to Jericho. And if you're a Bible student, I just need to make this connection for you. You'll remember that Jericho comes up in the scriptures a long time ago, and there was another man who led a people group through Jericho, and his name was Joshua. Remember, Joshua marched around the city six times, the city of Jericho, and on the seventh time, they marched around seven days, or seven times, and then they, they blew their trumpets, and the walls came down, and they were able to advance the people into the promised land. Remember the story? Remember the story? In the Hebrew, this is Yeshua, and in the Aramaic, this would be Joshua, or Jesus. 
And so here another Jesus, same name, same Hebrew name, same lineage, different pronunciation in English and Aramaic. Now Yeshua comes in to Jericho, leading his people out of bondage and into the promised land as well. Jesus here is the fulfillment of the type and the shadow of Joshua in the Old Testament. For you Bible students, this is a big deal that Jesus would come to Jericho doing these things. And who does he come in contact with? The blind man who sat on the road begging. This guy would have been known by everybody, at least by face. Oh, yeah, that's blind Bart. Imagine his life every day just sitting there. All right. Let's hope today goes better than yesterday. You know, just, he, his, his ears would work really good. You know, if you have uh, an inhibition like blindness, your other senses increase. So he could tell what's going on. He could tell if that was a two uh, oxen cart or four oxen, you know, and if that was a heavy load or an empty load or if they're coming or going. And he would have all, but he wouldn't know anything by sight, but only by hearing. And something crazy happens. Check this out. On verse 36, it says, in hearing, a multitude passing by, he asked what it meant. Stop right there, eyes up here. He's been sitting there his whole life for a very long time at least, and he knows what's going on. But all of a sudden, it's, it's a louder commotion than normal. A bunch of people are coming. He hears all this buzz. A lot of people say, hey, what's, that go- what's going on? What's the noise all about? And you know what the noise was? It was Jesus with his squad rolling to Jerusalem, okay? Jesus with his crew. Now, Jesus himself wasn't making the noise. It was all the people around him. You guys get the picture in your mind? Jesus was walking, and he had not 10 or 12 or 100, but hundreds of people walking with him. And this guy's like, what's the, what's the buzz? What's the hype all about? And to me, this is exciting, because everywhere Jesus goes, there are crowds of people with Jesus' real shirts on and Jesus' real hats on. And there's cars with bumper stickers on that say South Beach Church. And everywhere Jesus is doing stuff, there is people in a bus. Have you seen this before? As a matter of fact, Monty Sowers was visiting from Albany this morning. He prayed for me out by the porta potties before I preach. It's a great place to pray. <laughs> Just an amen. And he said something crazy in his prayer. He's praying for me, and he said, he said, Lord, I pray for every car that drives by South Beach Church on Sundays and sees all these cars that all those people driving by would get saved. Now, have you ever driven by South Beach Church on a Sunday and seen all those cars out there? I have not because I'm in here working, but apparently it's like crazy out there. There's cars parked all over, and people are, what's the buzz? What's going on? And people ask questions when they see your hoodies, and they see the bumper stickers, and they see the hats. What is going on there? Matter of fact, I was at Boss Cafe up by the college having some lunch the other day, and I know the owners, and they know who I am, and and the owner was serving me some lunches. She said, man, your church is so big. There's so many people going there. And she said, I have some Catholic friends now, and they're going to your church, and and man, they just said it's so, it's so, it's so, I said, enjoyable? She said, yeah, enjoyable. They said, it's awesome. You know, I was like, you should come check it out, too. She's like, that, 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 you know, and I was like, people are, wherever Jesus is, there are people's lives being changed, okay? I, I say that because why would you put a Jesus' real shirt on? Why would you wear a hat that says SBC? What's the point, okay? Why do we Facebook Live our stuff? Why do we have social media? Why do we send out mailers? Why do we, why do we make much of Jesus? Because he has asked us to be witnesses and to boast of his greatness. Just so you know, that's what we're doing. We want Jesus to become more and more famous, more and more attainable, more and more reachable in our community, This guy, he asks, what's going on? It's just Jesus, bro, is coming near to you. Isn't that cool? It's actually so fun because I I truly believe if you taste and see that the Lord is good, the Bible goes on to say in Psalm 34, 8, blessed is the man who trusts in him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Huh. Huh. That's not bad. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. So then you, you make a decision. You put your trust in him and you'll be blessed. Okay, and I truly believe that if you get near to Jesus, you will taste and see. 
It is so good. One time we had a lady show up with a, uh, she was a, a caregiver of a person who didn't have a vehicle, and so she was dropping off her client. And her client was, you know, finding a spot to sit. And she said, I'll be back at, you know, 11.30. This is when we had one service at 10. I'll be back at 11.30 to pick up my client. And I said, why don't you just stay? She said, well, I don't really want to stay. And I said, I'll pay you $50 to stay. She actually got offended and left. I think it was the wrong move. But I, I was so convinced. And I had 50 bucks. I was like, dude. I said, most churches want your money. Just, you know, we'll give you money to stay because I want your life changed. I seriously want you to be touched. That's why we give away these hoodies for 10 bucks. You know we don't make any money. We lose money on every single piece of garment we sell because it's not about making money. It's about making much of Jesus in some way, shape, or form. It's just, a, it's just a hoodie. This week alone, we got at least three emails from agencies in Oregon, okay, recovery agencies, with people from our church that have heard of our church saying, hey, we've got a bunch of people. We'd like to encourage them. Can you send us a box of Jesus' real hoodies? Here's the sizes we'd love. Boom, in the mail, going out. We just sent a box or two to Nairobi, Kenya, to Africa, encouraging people in the slums. We just want Jesus to be more accessible because here's the problem. Did you know that Satan doesn't want Jesus to be accessible? Satan wants the church to be quiet. Satan would rather have this progression of people going to Jerusalem. Just, don't, just chill, chill out. Why are you trying to make such a big deal? Calm down. Just bring it in a little bit. Satan wants you and me to not let our light so shine before men, but instead to put it under a bushel to hide it. And the buzz about Jesus is real, and he changes lives. Matter of fact, if you remember uh, Crystal and Jay Fleming, uh, they moved to Baker City, and uh, Jay used to lead worship. He's got that big beard, that big baritone voice, and he's kind of big. Remember Jay? And, uh, and Jay and Crystal went to church here, and Crystal worked at the Department of Human Services in town before they went to church here, and a client came in with a South Beach Church hoodie on. She thought, oh, okay, I've seen that before, and made a note of it. And the next person, the very next person came in with a South Beach Church hoodie on. And she's like, what the heck's that all about? And she said a prayer. She said, if the next person comes in with a South Beach, South Beach Church hoodie on, I'm going to go to that church. And you, you know what happened. The next person comes in with South Beach Church. She's like, what the heck's going on? You know? and, and they'd been praying for a church, and they hadn't found our church yet. And so they decided to come check it out on a Sunday and by their own testimony, walking in the door one Sunday, met by the Holy Spirit. As soon as they walked in, they found their home. And I'll tell you what, it's all about Jesus, but God uses the crowd. Look at verse 36 again. Hearing a multitude passing by, he asked what it meant. So verse 37, they told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. Make sure you see this. Now, was it Jesus making all the noise? Not at all. He's probably super cool, just like, these are my peeps. And when they said, it's Jesus, you know what they could have said? Oh, dude, it's Peter. Peter, the guy that walked on water? Peter the, Peter the preacher, Peter, Peter who got the keys to the kingdom of heaven, they could have pointed out to it as Peter because it was Peter. It could have been James and John and Andrew and Bartholomew and Matthew, all these guys that had fed thousands, multiplied the fish, done miracles in and of themselves. They're there too. No, no, no. It's not about them. It's not about you. It's not about me. It is about Jesus Christ. Did you know that those guys, Peter, John, and James, they would spend the rest of their lives making sure that everybody in the known world knew about Jesus and wouldn't focus on them. As a matter of fact, they would have Bible studies and Peter would literally rip his shirt and say, I'm just a man, because people would try and worship him. I know, it's funny. I haven't quite done that yet. I'm kind of waiting for the opportunity, you know? Acts chapter 10, like, dude, I'm just a man, you know? And Paul and Barnabas would do the same thing. They'd rip their shirt, showing their flesh. We're just dudes, and they died in order that people would know who Jesus was, and they made sure that all of the glory reflected off of them and upwards. I just need you to see this. You who, like me, have been blind Barts and are now saved, 
were to create a commotion of sorts that caused people to look to Jesus the way, the truth, and the life. Okay, in love, in truth. The world right now is looking for solutions, okay? Voting's happening this Tuesday. Everyone wants something new. We've got we to figure it out. We've got to come together and revolt. We've got to do something. Jesus is the answer. I'm not even messing with you. He is the answer for you. He's the answer for our society. He's the answer for your marriage right now, your business, everything. I love their answer, verse 37. So they told him, hey, it's Jesus of Nazareth. Look what happens in verse 38. And he cried out saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. This is interesting. They just told him it's Jesus of Nazareth. And he, instead of crying out to Jesus of Nazareth, Bible students pay attention, he cries out, Jesus, son of David. And he uses by the power of the Holy Spirit, maybe something he'd heard. I don't know how he got this information. He uses a term and a title borrowed from the Old Testament, reserved for the Messiah, to call out to Jesus Christ. Jesus had lots of these titles from the Old Testament reserved for himself. His favorite was Son of Man out of Daniel 7. This one, Son of David, taken out of 2 Samuel by God himself speaking to David, saying, I'm going to build you a house, Dave, and I'm going to make a lineage in a dynasty and a legacy that is eternal and never has an end. Speaking of the Messiah, the Son of David, not Solomon and not Solomon's kids, but Jesus Christ. Now, for you Bible students, this is important that Luke here helps us to understand this connection not just between Jesus and Joshua, the Old Testament, but also Jesus and David. Verse 38, and he cried out saying, son of David, have mercy on me. And when he cries out in this way, he, to me, is making so much sense in our understanding of who Jesus is. Now, by the way, uh, Jesus has called himself the son of man about 80 times uh, thus far in the Gospels. And yet the son of David doesn't get repeated very often. And so who Jesus uses to bring this understanding, this connection between David and Jesus out is this blind, homeless, smelly, marginalized beggar. Now, I'm not sure about how you're going to run a successful business, but if you're going to look for a front man to kind of launch your, your Kickstarter, you know, and kind of go out there and let people know, like the angels are talking with Jesus, like, who are you going to use, man, to just launch this thing and go global? He's like, I got a guy in Jericho. <laughs> oh, cool, dude. Tell us about him. Dude, he's blind. Oh, what? Like Stevie Wonder blind? No. You know, like, like, like I'm going to use him. Like, what are you doing, Jesus? Here's what Jesus is doing. Listen. Jesus is backing the declaration of the scriptures already that God chooses to use base things, low things, broken things, humble things, unwise things in order to confound the wise and the strong and the worldly. God on purpose, this is so important for me and hopefully for you as well, God on purpose loves to use those who would make themselves available but would not think much of themselves, who would even say, Lord, I, I'm not, I don't have that much. Boom, you're part of the team. And God would love to use you to advance his cause. I, just, I need you to see this. Who's going to cry out, Jesus, son of David, the blind beggar from Jericho? who in Luke's gospel is unnamed, who in Matthew's gospel is unnamed, who thanks to Mark, who wrote Mark's gospel, we know his name, but God chooses to use the most unassuming modes of making himself famous. This guy starts yelling. Look what happens, by the way, when he begins to go on mission. This might have been some of your stories as well. Verse 39. Then those who went before warned him that he should be quiet. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Has this happened to you? Have you gotten excited about Jesus and your friends looked at you and said, dude, you better be quiet. Raise your hand if your friends have told you to be quiet about Jesus, okay? Okay, the rest of you need to start being louder about Jesus. 
I have been told to be quiet about Jesus by dozens of people, dozens if not hundreds over my life. Okay, not because I'm trying to be obnoxious, that's not hard, but I'm trying not to be, you know, but because Jesus is the answer to every problem. And because Jesus is real. And if you don't have Jesus, you don't have, every, you don't have anything. And if you have Jesus, you have everything. And he's asked you and me to be witnesses and to turn up for him, not turn down for him. But he gets in trouble. These guys threaten him. They warn him. And I remember when I first came to the Lord, I was just telling everybody about Jesus. And they told me, stop it. We don't want to hear it. We don't want to hear it. Here, here's my question. How are, how are you going to handle that pressure? What does he do? What did he, I just read it to you. He cries out all the louder. It's crazy, too, because in the Greek, there are two Greek words for crying out, okay? The first cried out in Luke 18, 38. It's an ordinary shout to get attention, like, hey! 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 That's Greek right there. It's... <laughs> That's verse 38, and he cried out, saying, you know, just as normal. And then in verse 39, he cried out all the more. It's a whole different set of Greek verbs, Okay? And it's more of an animal, panicky, not stopping. If you tell me to be quiet, I'm actually going to become louder. Have you ever had a toddler before in a restaurant? <laughs> you're like, if you do that again, you know, you're going to get in trouble. They're like, oh, no, you're the one in trouble, bro. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> here we go. And you see him winding up. You're like, oh, sorry, here's everything you want, you know. Ah. Hostage negotiation starts at home with children. It's like, <laughs> your kids. And this guy... I don't want to break my microphone, but he goes even crazier. He screams. It's this ungovernable emotion, which is crazy. I just, I love it. Because if you've been in that position, you remember when Jesus showed up on the scene and began his ministry. He went to the synagogue. And he said, do you guys got any copies of the Bible? You got, a, you got a copy of the Bible? And they handed him a copy of Isaiah. And he opened up Isaiah to the portion of scripture where it talks about the Messiah showing up. And it says, today the Holy Spirit is upon me to bring captivity, to bring uh, freedom to those who are captive, to, to bring liberation to those who are bound, listen, and to bring sight to those who are blind. And Jesus reads that verse out of the book of Isaiah 750 years before his existence. He shuts the book, hands it back, and he says, today this verse has been fulfilled in your presence. And then he went on his mission and began to heal blind people and set the captives free and lead in the way that only Jesus Christ can lead. And do only what Jesus Christ can do. And this man, Bartimaeus, must have heard of this. He said, whoa, 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 who is it? It's Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me! And he's screaming. Dude, quiet, bro. Don't make us look like idiots. And he kept crying out. Look at verse 40. You could circle this and highlight it. You could actually get this. This is such a cool verse. The, the first four letters, four, four, first four words. So Jesus stood still. Isn't that crazy? Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. He's got a big job. He's going to die for the sins of the whole world. Okay? Past, present, and future. And he hears someone say, Jesus, son of David. And I wonder if he's like, son of David. That's very keen. And he cries out even louder. So Jesus stops. And then he commands him to be brought to him. Bring that guy to me. Now, previously, they told this guy to shut up. Hey, dude, call, stop it. Be quiet or I'll make you be quiet. And now Jesus stands still and asks him to be brought to him. 
If you don't know the heart of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ for you in your time of need or for others in their darkest hour, I've asked you this already in this sermon. Have you ever looked condescendingly upon somebody? Thought they're too far gone. Jesus doesn't have time for them. Your life's too out of whack. And Jesus stops. The Son of God stands still. Which, by the way, reminds me of another Joshua portion of Scripture. Remember when Joshua was fighting the enemy and he needed more daylight and he prayed to God that the sun would stand still? He's like, would you just let the sun stand still? Like the first daylight savings ever is in the Bible, okay, in the book of Joshua. Just stop the sun. And he kept battling and went to work and got more work done. And then the sun continued on its course. It's crazy. It's a crazy miracle. And now years later, in order to save this one man who can't see, the Son of God stood still and commanded this man to be brought to him. This blind, homeless, smelly, begging blind man called out to the creator of the universe and he asked for mercy. Now when he asks for mercy, he's demonstrating a position of humility. He's not asking for justice. You know, sometimes we demand justice. We play the victim like, oh, I need justice. This guy's like, no, I need mercy. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. What you deserve is not good based on your actions. I need, I need mercy, dude. I don't need, I don't need like a clean start. I need mercy. I need you to take away all of this that I've brought on myself. And I believe when you come to Jesus in that mindset, not just asking for a boost, a little help, some wisdom. You ever pray to God, why do you need some help? I laugh at myself when I say that. Like, I don't need some help. I need mercy, dude. I am a mess. I'm blind. I'm a beggar. I can't see anything. Jesus, have mercy on me. And I believe the Lord is open to that cry. And he ministers to those people. And if you're looking for mercy here today, okay, come to the Lord in a position of humility and even make that cry audible. I believe the Lord will hear it and you'll have access to him. So here's my question before we move on. Where do you need mercy in your life right now? Maybe your marriage needs mercy. It's just, it needs help. Maybe your personal walk with Jesus needs mercy. You don't need a little help. You need mercy. Maybe it's your business or finances or relationships. But whatever it is, I, I want to encourage you to cry out. As a matter of fact, look what happens next. This is so crazy. So Jesus stood still, verse 40, and he commanded him to be brought to him. And when he had come near, he asked him, saying, what do you want me to do for you? <laughs> I don't know how you read this. Like, here's Jesus. This guy's blind. In those days, you would actually have like a beggar's cloak. The Gospel of Mark tells us he leaves it on the side of the road. This would be like government issued, so it would be confirming that you did indeed need charitable donations. You were like legit. You were a nonprofit organization. You know, you knew this guy was blind. So this guy comes over. You know, he can't even tell where Jesus is. And he's like, stands right in front of Jesus. And Jesus is like, what can I do for you? You know, you're like, dude, I can't see. You know, like, what are you talking about? What's going on here? This is so fun to me. Jesus could, have, could, could Jesus, let me say it differently. Did Jesus know he was blind? Okay, so what's Jesus doing? Let me say it a different way. Does Jesus know right now the area in your life you need mercy? Is he, is he aware right now? Does Jesus see everything in your life? All the battles, all the giants, all the issues, all the depression, all the fear, all the pain. Does Jesus see all of it? He does. And if you're not careful, you'll wonder from time to time, well, he knows. Why doesn't he just do anything? Ask and you shall receive. Ask not and you shall receive not. The book of James tells us that. For, for a few reasons. 
I believe because Jesus wants to communicate with us, okay? He actually loves you. He loves your voice. He loves who you are. Sometimes you, you just want him to take care of things, but he would rather have a conversation with you. As a matter of fact, if he just took care of all of your needs, would you be nearer to him or farther from him? Be honest. You would be out doing crazy stuff, like, yeah, everything's great, but instead things get where you're like, oh, my goodness, you know, you get near to the Lord and you have that conversation. He loves you. He wants to be with you, and he loves to be merciful to you in your time of need, but he's not just going to write checks for you without you asking for them. He wants to hear your voice, and he wants you to communicate your heart to him. As a matter of fact, did you know that when you raise your voice to the Lord and communicate prayer to him, you're doing a few things? You're evidencing the faith within your prayer to believe that he can actually do it. Right now, you all just said that you believe God knows everything going on in your life, which is true. I believe it too. When you pray about those things, you're evidencing faith that you believe he can and will and wants to actually do something about those things. If you don't pray about it, I wonder if it's a lack of faith in understanding God's goodness towards you or his ability to intervene in your situation. Yesterday, I got some bad news, and it has resolved since then. I got bad news, and within that bad news text, there was a uh, request for prayer, pray, and I was, was kind of wondering, well, what does that look like, you know, pray under my breath, pray while I keep doing everything I'm doing, I was right in the middle of stuff, and so I was like, yeah, I'll pray, have you ever said, yeah, I'll pray, but you didn't pray, you ever done that before, and then I began to think, Lord, if I pray, will it really work, should I go to my knees right now, should I cry out for mercy, this, I, this needed, we needed, we needed a miracle, okay, and by God's grace, it has happened. And, and yet God won't give you what you don't ask for because when you ask for it, you're using the key that unlocks the door. The key is faith. You're exercising faith. This is going to change everything. Right now, maybe you're struggling in your marriage. You're like, dude, we're both Christians. We're trying our best. We're working so hard. Our, our heads are down. Our tails are up. We're just going, going, going. When was the last time you cried out for mercy? <laughs> what are you talking about? We're doing our best. He knows what we... Yeah, yeah. He'd say, dude... You need a breakthrough. It's not going to come for you. You're being smarter. You're being greater. It's going to come from you hitting your knees, saying, son of David, have mercy on me. Mercy on me, Jesus. And becoming that Christian who responds that way in your time of texts that come in with the prayer hand saying, help. This is going to take, this is going to be a change. By the way, don't leave church today without being changed a little bit, okay? Be changed. This guy cried out for mercy, and he's our example. We're talking about him 2,000 years later. Because Jesus heard this. And Jesus asked him, what do you need? And again, sometimes we just assume, knowing that the Lord knows everything, that that's good enough. Okay, how many of you guys are forced to communicate with the people you live with at your house? You guys have to communicate with them? Okay, my wife's sitting in the back there. We are forced to communicate with each other. It's crazy. Sometimes, though, we assume the other person knows what we're going through. Have you ever done that, husband, wife? You ever pretend you're married to a mind reader? Okay, like, don't you know what I'm going through? And they're like, no, not at all. This happens, we've been married for 17 years, and I'll come home with a chip on my shoulder, a bad attitude, and I just assume Crystal knows everything because she's a mind reader, and by the end of the day or the next day, she's like, everything okay? No, everything's not okay. What do you mean? Just like Jesus says, what can I do for you? Everything okay? No, everything's not okay. And this communication is golden for our relationships. And once I begin to then share what I'm going through and what's happening, she's like, oh, well, that's totally different now. Now we can handle this as a team together. I want to encourage you guys and you gals this is nuts. Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, that I would receive my sight. And for some of us, we're not going to find ourselves walking in victory 
because we haven't yet humbled ourselves and used the key of faith, articulating our need for our children's safety, for our own spiritual well-being, for our own victory over addiction and cycles of sin, cry out to the Lord. Verse 41, look what happens. What do you want me to do for you? And he said, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said, receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. Jesus, when he healed blind people, he always did it differently. There are at least three portions of scripture that talk about Jesus healing the blind. One time he saw a blind person and he spit on the guy. Whoa, didn't see that coming. And, <laughs> hey, work with me. And, and he could see. That's pretty cool. Now, lest we begin a ministry similar to that and spit on people that can't see, Jesus mixed it up a little bit. And so the next guy, he spit on the ground and made mud. And he's all, and he put that in his eyes and says, now go wash. He still couldn't see. He's like, I got to wash even if I didn't want to wash. Like, yeah. This guy goes, and he goes to the pool side and he washes and he's like, I can see. This guy, Jesus just looks at him and says, your faith has made you well. Boom. I, mean, I was trying to think about what that might have looked like. Because with the spit in your eye, you're kind of doing stuff, and then, then you can see in the mud. This guy, his eyes are probably open. If you ever talk to a blind person, you can, you can tell there's some blindness or damage in their eyes. It's just it's different where they're looking. And all of a sudden, this guy could see. And he immediately was face to face. No spit, no mud. You know, and everyone's salvation story is a little bit different than everyone. Some people's are messier and a little gnarlier. And this guy just sees Jesus, and he does it how he wants to do it. But the object of power is faith. Remember what he says? Your faith has made you well. He had faith. He's crying out from the side, son of David, have mercy! That's a lot of faith. Bring that guy over here. What, what is it that you exactly want, by the way? Dude, I need to see. Okay, I just wanted to make sure you knew what you were asking for, because I want to make sure that you knew that through faith, this gift was given to you. And it wasn't his large faith. Listen, you got to get this. It wasn't his abundance of faith. It was what his faith was in. The object of his faith was Jesus. Okay, you can have a little bit of faith in a big Jesus, and that's going to be enough. I want you to hear that, because there will be some people that say you need more faith. I would say it this way. You need your faith to be more in Jesus, okay? Not more faith. You need more Jesus, and that's where your faith needs to be put into. It could be splitting hairs, do the homework on your own, but you need more Jesus. This guy looked to Jesus, and he was saved. Again, I want to stress this is personal. Jesus could have just looked, known who he was, saw the garment, the beggar's garment, healed him, but he wanted him to engage. We're going to take communion in a few minutes, okay? Did you know you have to take your own communion? Like, that's between you and him, okay? The Bible commands you who are believers to be baptized, okay, in water. You, you have to do that on your own. I, I wish I could take communion for you. Wouldn't that be so rad if I could just be Pope Luke, you know, to take communion for you guys, like, you know, or just pray for you. And just, or get baptized for you. Wouldn't that be awesome? It's not how it works. This is between you and Jesus. Your marriage, your walk with him, your sanctity, your wholeness, your ministry, your light, your vibrancy, all of that is between you and him. I do my best. I'm going to run hard, but you got to get near to Jesus and do business with him. You've got to cry out. And when you do, he'll grant you the mercy you need in order to navigate forward in your life. Jesus gave him the answer to his miracle. Now, the crazy thing in this, this idea of faith is that this man believed in Jesus before he had eyes to see Jesus. 
Some of you maybe critics are here like, man, you guys are crazy. I'll believe when I can see. That's not how it works, just so you know. You see once you believe. Okay? The world says, man, just prove it to me and I'll become a believer. Jesus says it this way, believe and I'll prove it to you. As a matter of fact, Peter said it this way, John 6, 69. I'll do 668 because it's my favorite verse. Simon Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, verse 69. And we have both come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Did you see the divine order? We have come to believe and know. The world says, once I know, I'll believe. Okay? That was fact-checking on Wikipedia, just so you know, like... Is Christianity true, you know? <laughs> Once I know, I'll believe. No. Once you choose to surrender your heart to Jesus, Lord, Lord, I've, I've tasted and seen of your goodness. I've read your word. I've been with your people, Lord. I, I feel your spirit, and I'm choosing, Lord, to believe in you. And then you will be given the gift of eternal life, regeneration, become born again, and you will never unsee what you have seen, okay? It is the gift of life that God gives to you. This guy believed before he could see. And I believe that's what generated this miracle for him. Immediately he received his sight, verse 43. Look at this. And immediately he received his sight. He does three things now. And he followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. This guy's life is completely changed. And the first thing he does is he follows Jesus. He gives him glory, and then he spends his life causing other people to see the goodness of Jesus in his life. It looks like they're bringing the communion elements out right now. You can do that. That's fine. We're not there yet. We got another 35 minutes of preaching, but that's okay. I'm kidding. You girls are so awesome. Jordan, thank you. First thing this guy does is he follows Jesus. And I need to say this. You guys are here at church, okay? So it's not hard to ask you if you're following Jesus. But I'm also friends with some of you on Facebook, and so I wonder. <laughs> Love you. Love you. This guy's eyes are opened up. You know what Jesus says to him? Look at, look at verse 43. Verse 42. Receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. Did you know that in the other portions of Scripture, he's told to go his way? Matthew and Mark, go your way. And you know what his way is now? Jesus. And he follows him. He's told to go his way. The first person he saw is Jesus Christ. And he's like, hey, you're good, dude, go. He's like, I'm as far as I'm going. Where are we going? History, parabiblical, outside of the Bible, church history tells us that blind Bart would become a representative of Jesus Christ. He would become part of the buzz. He'd become part of the squad. He would leave Jericho and walk the next 15 miles and go with Jesus for the next two weeks to Jerusalem and be there with Jesus when Jesus would die on the cross. And when they peeled his dead body off the cross, he would be one of the ones who would take him to the tomb and he would be with Jesus during the 40 days after the resurrection and with Jesus during the time of the ascension and with the 120 gathered there at the upper room when they received the power of the Holy Spirit. And he would live his entire life redeeming the days and telling Jesus' story in his own life blind Bart. That's why Mark mentions him. Because when he saw Jesus for the first time, he didn't just say, peace, I was legit. I got stuff to do. He stayed with him. 
Can I, can I go with you? Well, I don't know. Do you really want to go with me? I'm going to die in Jerusalem. You're the son of David. Let's do this. And he counted the cost, and he gave his life in order to do a couple things, to follow him, to glorify him, and to help others know him as well. Have you, have you done this? Maybe you're a Christian here, and you do see, and I praise God for that. And I believe God is so merciful to you, even as you work out your salvation with fear and trembling. There are good days. There are bad days. There are good years. There are difficult years. I understand that I've been in different seasons of my life, but Jesus calls you above all else, follow me. Let's go. Here's your sight. Now let's go. Remember when Jesus healed the 10 lepers? And they came to him, and he hadn't even healed him yet. He said, go and present yourself to the priest. And they still had leprosy, and on the way to go present themselves to the priest, they were healed, and nine of them just bounced and never came back. One of them was like, no way. And he came back, ah, daddy! You know, and Jesus is like, where's the other nine? No way. And he blessed this guy. And he was a Samaritan. He wasn't even one of the Jews. And Jesus saw this can I just encourage you who are believers who do now see to make it the, the utmost of your importance to follow Jesus and not just follow him, but to glorify him. Look at verse 43. And immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God. We do everything we can here at South Beach Church to enable you an opportunity to lift your hands, to sing loud, to praise God, to glorify him. You can do this not just at church when we're singing, but on Facebook, the way you drive, everywhere you go to glorify God. Okay? That's why the shirts are there. You can put a Jesus is real shirt on and be like, no. You know, I, I, if you've never put a Jesus is real shirt on, you know the rush that comes putting one of those bad boys on, walking into Walmart and be like, bang, you know, <laughs> read it. I remember one time I forgot I had the shirt on. It was one of those bright yellow ones, you know, so it's like a double offense. Like the bright yellow is like, whoa, dude, turn it down. And it said Jesus is real. And I was in Starbucks and I was like, whoa, like you're just you're out there, dude. Like, whoa. And I was like, what? Oh, yeah. You know, whatever it is. We have stickers you can put on your car. People will know, by the way, if you have a sticker on your car, drive good, please. <laughs> there's, a, there's a course, a driver's course you have to take in order to get a sticker. Like, don't be that guy. We got enough enemies. He glorifies God. Did you know that part of our ministry, and this might sound weird to you, so, so listen to it. Part of our ministry is to boast and to brag, but not about ourselves. But about Jesus. Here's who he is. Here's what he's done. Here's what he's doing. Here's what he's teaching me. Okay, there's a fine line, right? You ever boasted about what you're going through, what you're, and people will accuse you? Matthew 5, 16 says, let your light so shine before men that they see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Jesus said, do stuff, man. Get fired up. This guy glorified God everywhere he went. This is one of the attributes of a believer, following him and glorifying him and then witnessing to others. Look at this last thing and I'm done. And the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. Now his life is being used as a testimony to allow other people to give Jesus glory. Quick question. Has your life been used to impact another life to give glory to God? That, this is where the magic happens. This is where John 10.10 10 comes alive, where all of a sudden you can be used, starting at home first with your spouse, Okay, with your kids, maybe with your neighbors, with the people you work with, your extended family, your church body, some strangers, social media. There's so many ways that you can live your life in such a way to redeem the darkness. Now, did this guy's story start out great or not great? Not great. Some of your guys' story didn't start out great. 
Some of your stories start out dark and in shadows. Can I just say, if you have darkness and shadows and God's redeemed them, talk about that stuff. Maybe you've done some things in your life, like me, and you wish you would have never done them. Did you know that in Jesus' name you can talk about those things and bring glory to him in the way that he's redeemed you and forgiven you and had mercy on you? Maybe there's been things in your past that have been done to you that are shameful, and yet Jesus has healed you, and there are other people sitting near you or working by you that need to hear your story so that faith key can open up and unlock their life. The Bible says there's three things that overcome the enemy, one of which is our testimony. This is crazy. And the more you talk about your testimony, where you've been and what Jesus has delivered you from, the more glory goes to God in the way that he's delivered you from your own blindness. The devil wants you to be quiet about your mistakes, quiet about your failures, quiet about your darkness. Jesus comes in and says, here's a lamp, okay? Here's a light. Here's the word. Go ahead and talk freely about my mercy in your life. Yesterday, my wife was in Portland at a women's conference. The Abundance Conference was happening there from Lifeway and there was about a dozen uh, gal speakers from all over the world had flown in. And uh, one of the speakers was Jackie Hill Perry. And she's kind of a, uh, a musician, songwriter, poet, a writer. And she just wrote a book called Gay Girl, Good God. And, and her story is powerful. She grew up and uh, found herself uh, a lesbian, hating men, hating God. And yet God loved her. God created her. And God redeemed her and has given her a new identity God saved her and is now using her. She's got a husband and two kids, and she travels around the world sharing her story with boldness. And I couldn't help but just think about what, what more of a controversial subject than that today. And for her to say, hey, I was without Jesus, and my life looked this way. And now because of Jesus, that's the primary topic that we're looking into. Because of Jesus, now I stand in the light. I once was lost and now I'm found. I once was dead and now I live. And your story is greater glory for God when you recognize him in the darkness. I tell people in counseling at jail, whenever I go visit them, the darker your story, the greater God's glory. If you bring him into it. This is great. This is, recently I had a person send me a message about South Beach Church, and I can't remember where I shared this. Forgive me if I've already shared. And he said, I love going to your church. Because when I go there, I see so many broken people, so many people just on the edge of darkness, and, it's, and I see what the Lord is doing. He's rescuing people, and I forgot. I was like, wow, that sounds, at our church? You know, like, whoa, you know, and, I, and it's crazy what God is doing. Wouldn't that be radical if the Lord says, that's you, blind Bart, come with me. We're doing stuff, and you get to live the rest of your life on purpose for God's glory and other people's good? What else is there? Grab a hoodie, put a hat on if you need, but you don't even need that. Jesus is real in your life, and you get the opportunity to trust him in all things. I'm going to have the worship team come up, and we are going to take communion now, and we're going to worship the Lord as such. But I want to give you an opportunity to respond. Three things, quickly, just by heading, I won't talk about them, that Bartimaeus had. Number one, he had humility. Check your heart right now. How humble are you? Do you need a little help? Do you have some advice for God? Got your own opinions? Or are you like blind Bart? Son of David, have mercy! He had nothing to, nothing to offer. <laughs> he came with humility. Okay, he didn't just come with humility. He came with tenacity. He would not give up. Hey, c calm down, bro. Calm down. He would not stop. Can I just encourage you in your prayer, in your pursuit of God, whatever it is you need, to get more of Jesus, to get nearer to him. He'll stop for you. 
But maybe you need to turn up your voice for him. And the last thing he had is he had expectancy. Gospel of Mark tells us that when he was called to Jesus, he actually left that beggar's cloak behind. Now, if you're blind, you're not going to leave nothing behind, like, because you're blind. Like, I'm going to need this later. <laughs> I can't find it. Unless I know this is going to end well. I don't need that. I can find it later. He actually had expectancy. He believed that things were going to be different once he contacted Jesus. I'm going to ask you guys to bow your heads. Father, in Jesus' name, now, we, we love you. And we thank you, Jesus, for taking the time for blind Bart on your way to save the world. Lord, I would ask first to forgive me for my busyness, for my condescending attitude, Lord, looking at people differently than you do. Forgive me. And I thank you, Jesus, that your intention for everybody is the same. It's equal. That you love every single person. There's no difference to you. you made all of them, men and women, Lord, in your image. You created them beautiful. I pray, Jesus, that we would have that same mindset when we're looking at the people in our town, the people in our community, Lord, the people in our lives. Maybe you're here this morning. I want to give you a chance to respond. Maybe you're one of those people that are like Blind Bart. You don't quite see it perfectly. But you have enough within you to cry out to Jesus for mercy. You need mercy in your life this morning. You don't just need a little help. You don't need a little pep talk. You need mercy. You're blind and you can't see. But today's that day where you're going all in and you're going to ask for Jesus to call you. And you're going to be saved. And he's going to look to you and say, what would I have to give to you this day? And you would say, that I might see that is with my heart. That I might have you, Jesus. If that's you, would you just right now, would you, boldness, you got to do this. Would you raise your hand? He was so bold, he screamed. He made a fool of himself that day. Raise up your hand right now to Jesus Christ, your Savior, and say, yes, Lord, save me. Make me your own. I see hands going up in Jesus' name. Yes, Lord, would you save souls today? Would you do a work, a work that'll never be undone? Blind Bart never became Blind Bart again. He saw for the rest of his life. So too, if you become a believer today, you will be saved because Jesus saves. Lord, you see the hands that are up. I pray you do a work in Jesus' name and seal the deal. Lord, speak to hearts and minds. Set things free. And for those men and women who raise their hands right now, Lord, may they be followers of Jesus. May they commit to you, Lord, and be witnesses and be those who glorify you. You can put your hands down. Maybe you're here this morning. You are a Christian. You actually see. That's why you're at church at the 11 a.m. listening to this guy talk and scream and yell. It's because you love it. You love Jesus. But you would say, you know what? I, I need mercy. Somewhere Right now, you need mercy. Can you just be bold and, and come to your king? Would you raise your hand if you need mercy in any way at all? Maybe it's just, maybe it's finances. Maybe it's a health issue. Maybe you're in pain right now. Just some, don't be, don't be prideful. Say, I'll just deal with it. What if the Lord wants to heal you today or deliver you or fix that marriage? And here's what I want you to do. Hands up, Christians. You need mercy. And, and under your breath, just so you can hear it, I want you to cry out for mercy. And I want you to articulate what it is you need mercy for. Maybe it's an attitude you have. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe you're addicted to pornography or alcohol or drugs. And you need, you need mercy. Would you just articulate that to your Savior? He can hear us all at once. Everyone talking at once. He can hear you when you say, Lord, have mercy on my marriage. Lord, have mercy on this addiction. Have mercy on my mind, Lord. Maybe your mind is failing. Have mercy on me, Lord. Have mercy on, on this sin, this, this thing. Maybe it's a shoulder. Maybe it's a knee. Don't just sit there in pain. Ask God to have mercy on you right now. He wants to heal you. He'll look at you right now and say, what's wrong? What's going on? You say, you know what's going on. I said, well, why don't you tell me? Why don't you have faith to tell me? Have mercy right now. Say it under your breath. Say it so you can hear it. Say it so he can hear it. Ask him for mercy. 
You can put your hands down, Lord, in Jesus' name. We thank you for being so good and so kind. Your mercy evidenced on the cross, seen, Lord, that you would die, that you would give yourself up, Lord, a, a ransom for many, that we would all be saved, Lord, those who put their faith in Jesus. And as we come to the table, Lord, we thank you for what you've done. We examine ourselves. We proclaim your death until you return. Lord, you have mercy on us. Truly, as people come to the table, would there be a cleansing? For every single person that said something under their breath, Lord, would you, would you grant mercy? Would you just sweep the house, Lord? Would you do a work, Lord, and restore the years the locusts have eaten? Give us a story like Jackie Hill Perry, Lord, or like Blind Bart. Give us a story where we can say, dude, it was nuts. I went to church, I cried out for mercy, and things got better. It was crazy. And we would give you all the glory, Lord, and become witnesses. We thank you for what you've done, Lord. Bless the table as we come to it now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.